2: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin.
1: Hey, folks, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, December 8th edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Um, Derek Van Riper is with me today, like every Friday. We're doing this at about a uh, little after 3 Eastern on Friday. Uh, so, whatever news we have up until this moment, we checked it right before we started recording we will share with you. We're just going to kind of wrap up the news notes, injuries, all that stuff. But first, Derek, let's talk about Falcon saints. Um, the Alvin Camara owners, big bummer, huge bummer.
2: Yeah, it's kind of the worst case scenario other than like a five minutes before game time scratch that you don't see or something like that, or, uh, rules violation benching where the player's active and, and doesn't get to play because the coach is mad at him or something. So, Early exit with a concussion. I mean, a long layoff before week 15. If you make it through week 14, despite the early exit from Camara, there's at least a decent chance he'll be good to go. He thinks he's going to play next week. So check him off as a uh, player optimistic about his own health kind of guy, which most of them tend to be. Uh, but Ingram didn't really go off in his absence. Only 16 touches, 92 yards I would have expected a bit more from him. Mm-hmm. Solid game for Michael Thomas, 10 for 117 on a score, 14 targets. And nobody else of, of note on the Saints side really did much. Willie Sneed is still kind of a ghost in that offense. If, yeah. if, we, if we thought if we thought Camaro was getting the plays that were supposed to go to Willie Sneed last night with Camaro getting hurt early, Sneed playing more would have been the thing that should have happened, and that didn't happen. So Willie Sneed uh, officially like dead from a fantasy perspective and uh, eligible for, I think, Matthew Barry's fantasy zombie ball in the future and comes back <laughs> and, and does something.
1: Um, Matt Ryan's interception in the end zone might be the worst pass I've ever seen him
2: throw. It was, yeah. It he was he'd probably agree with that too. Oh. It, it, was, it was bad. And, and the play, I don't know if it was immediately before that or two plays before it, he had to pump fake one of the linemen who was, was going to yeah, knock yeah, down yeah. a pass. And then he had to throw really late to Julio. That was a pretty bad throw too. I just remember watching that sequence and going, Was he really like elite last year or was that just a one year blip where we all just imagined it? I mean, how good of a play caller is Kyle Shanahan to do what he did last year when when Matt Ryan throughout his career has been, you know, pretty good or good, but never great the way that he was in 2016. It's just making 2016 look more and
1: more like an outlier. Absolutely. And speaking of the play calling um, for one, I want to mention uh, Tevin Coleman in the concussion protocol for the Falcons. Um, We've talked about this before this year. Why, why, why doesn't the, don't the Falcons throw their backs anymore? They're good receivers, both of them. And they don't use them. It's, it's infuriating. And I'm not just saying from a fantasy standpoint, because I loved that Devonte Freeman used to catch 50 passes. It's just, yeah. they're good. I mean, it's a weapon. The offense is not doing as well. It was better when they threw to the backs and they just won't throw. I mean, I understand there's, there's schematic things involved in this. And it's just me, not me saying just throw to that guy, but Throw those guys.
2: You know, it's, it's ridiculous. You have to think Steve Sarkeesian is not going to make it through the offseason as the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Like, he's probably not making it out of January with that job because they have taken a huge step back with the same group of personnel. So right. it did not, they didn't lose anybody of significance as far as the players go. The difference from Shanahan to Sarkeesian really shouldn't be that much. That's that's crazy to me. So if he hasn't figured it out by now, what reason do we have to think that in weeks 15, 16, 17, and maybe in the playoffs that he's going to figure it out then?
1: I don't know. I don't know. But no one ever made Kyle Shanahan look smarter than Steve Sarkeesian.
2: Right. I guess if right. Kyle Shanahan were that smart, would he have taken the head coaching job in San Francisco? Yeah, I think so.
1: I, I like I think, you know, the, the whole rebuilding option, I think, is a good, you know, he probably liked Lynch. And I and think it's, it's fine. You, there's there's you know, I don't know how much there's
2: to, there was to work with. There are some defensive talent. But, yeah, I don't mind that one. Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. I mean, th- I mean, like, look at the jobs that are going to be available this time around. Denver's probably going to fire Vance Joseph. Is Denver a better job than San Francisco for you? No, because I would think Denver has
1: Denver has is probably on the on the downside, right? I mean, the the Niners bottomed out, and there's there's a lot to you know, and there was some defense. You know, they spent the last few years getting defensive players early in the draft. You probably got some parts to work with. I think the, the Broncos are probably in that situation where. That defense, yeah, maybe the Wade Phillips departure, you know, meant more than we might have thought at the beginning. But now all those guys, I mean, they're they're gonna kind of get older, right? So
2: yeah, the, the yeah the defense, I, I think it had a great run. It's probably not gonna get back to elite levels next year, and they don't have a quarterback, so they're not maybe they're not as far away from being San Francisco uh, as we might think. I mean, Houston, if they fire Bill O'Brien this season's not his fault. They've been destroyed by injuries. Right. Is the Bengals job a better long term job than San Francisco? Uh, I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know why it would be. OK, so that that wouldn't be an upgrade. I think Marvin Lewis might finally get the axe. Hugh Jackson probably gets fired eventually. No one wants to take that job. Uh, the Giants, if he'd waited and taken the Giants job, would that have ultimately been a better spot for him long term than San Francisco? It's, it's a good job.
1: It, it, prestige and, and stability-wise, it's a good job. But is is what you're working with, I don't know. I mean, San Francisco's a pretty, it. you know, as as franchises go, they've probably screwed up the last three or four years. But, you know, I mean, it, essentially you're starting from scratch. And essentially the, jo- the, the job, unless you're you're at a team with bad ownership, your job is at the mercy, if you're a coach, your job is at the mercy of the GM, right? how good the job
2: is 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 what the gm is i would think i i wanted kyle shanahan to be the packers next coach so i was (laughs) hoping he wouldn't become a coach this past off season because i thought mccarthy might be nearing an end if they lose to the winless browns on sunday maybe that's the the straw that breaks the camel's back and ted and mike mccarthy are gone and dom capers and elliot wolf becomes gm Kyle Shanahan could have been head coach. Unfortunately, he's not available. And that would have been, you know, a dream job type or a, a great job with you know, an awesome quarterback that you could go and, and be competitive right away as opposed to the typical NFL situation. Like the Rams are, are an outlier as far as first year coach coming in and turning things around that much. Yep. But it gives us an idea of just how brutal Jeff Fisher was right. at the end of his tenure there. Man, like, I mean, yeah, I know Goff was a rookie and you added pieces to the offensive line. But wow, I, I, right. that's 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 uh, that's an amazing transformation.
1: I, I need I, we need to have a separate conversation at some point about the Packers, because I look from afar and I think I know what your response is going to be. This, I look from afar and I go, I wonder why all of you are so dissatisfied with the GM and the coach considering the the uh, the success the level of success that they've had like you're not the browns but i know you're gonna say well if it wasn't for rogers they would stink and he's masked a lot of deficiencies and i know i might be putting words in your mouth but it's just interesting to me that i look at the packers over the last 10 years and i talk to packer fans who who just i feel like they don't like the gm and the coach at all and i go wow okay
2: (laughs) i i think with with ted it's It's a little bit different, I think with Ted, the depth always gets challenged defensively. It seems like they never have enough quality depth in the secondary to overcome injuries at times they don't even have a, a shut down corner uh they knowing that that uh, Clay Matthews gets hurt a lot they they don't seem to have enough depth in the pass rush. Nick Perry gets hurt a lot too. You know the injuries aren't Ted Thompson's fault on their face, but I think great organizations always have the necessary talent to figure it out and with McCarthy yeah, it's exactly what you said where Aaron Rodgers just takes a average or worse coach and wins so much that when when they flash up McCarthy's stats as a head coach you see it and you say oh wow only only Belichick has a higher winning percentage and maybe like Mike Tomlin over the last 15 years like McCarthy's not a bad coach it's like uh, well he His winning percentage is the function of Aaron Rodgers being an all-time elite quarterback. It's not the function of his scheme being good, of his in-game management being good. He does some objectively dumb things on a pretty regular basis. And I think watching him for a prolonged stretch with Brett Hundley having to play is just furthering my belief that that's been the case all along. All
1: right, folks, we'll get to fantasy football now um Derek and I'll do a separate podcast about the state of the Packers and I'll let him vent for an hour um but until then if you want to ask him about the Packers get him on Twitter at Derek Van Riper I'm at Jay Hoppen 37 you can also tweet us at Rotowire find us on Facebook and if you would just like um the the straight news feed on Twitter at Rotowire NFL is where you should find it um what's your favorite fantasy game of the weekend the highest over under was last night The next highest
2: appears to be Chiefs Raiders. That one's at least in my top three for this week. And I think my favorite is going to be Rams Eagles. And it's not because I I think it's going to go full pinball, but I think it presents some interesting dilemmas, especially in DFS. I mean, in in season long, you're not thinking twice about playing Gurley and and Jeffrey and, and, players like that Wentz and Goff you're probably relying on the way you have the last several weeks but I think it's kind of fascinating to look at those teams and and try to decide is it contrarian and is it a good idea to pay top dollar or close to it for Carson Wentz in daily is there value in Jay Ajayi finally this week in tournaments you know under 6,000 on FanDuel given that the Rams defense is weaker against the run than they are against the pass like can can some of those kinds of things actually work out if you do it right? I think that's the game that I'm, I'm the most intrigued by fantasy wise, even if it's not the highest scoring game. I think the Chiefs Raiders, uh, with 48 and a half being kind of in the same neighborhood, the highest over under of the remaining games. That game should be pinball. You know, no Marcus Peters for the Chiefs. Most of their secondary gets torched every week anyway. The Raiders don't get a lot of stops like that game should be back and forth and a lot of fun. Okay.
1: Yeah. I I just wanted that, that looks to me like a game that is not going to be as high scoring as others. And I don't know that I can properly say why, you know what I mean? It was kind of like last night, the over under was really high. And I think you said, you know, this is not the, these are not your old, you know, I mean, maybe it was Tim. This is not your typical Falcons and saints. And that over under might be based on what your typical Falcons and saints were. And it wound up coming in way under. Um, I'm actually kind of looking forward to, and we'll get to this in a minute. Uh, I want to see lions Bucks, just because I hate the Bucks defense. And I like Jameis at home, and I think that could, that could, be, that could go a little pinball, to use the term you used. Um, We've got to talk about a little details on that in a minute. Um, the, detail, the main detail on that, Matthew Stafford. So Matthew Stafford hurt his hand last week. There was some skepticism coming into the week, how his right hand was going to respond. I'm reading from MLive.com right now. Um, Stafford gearing up for his 109th consecutive start. In practice, his passes have progressed by the day to where they showed almost no ill effects as he zipped a deep ball down the field. The question isn't so much if he'll play, but how, and it's not just throwing, but in how he grips the ball. The question here is ball security, but it sounds like Stafford's going to be able
2: to come in and sling it. So, So he'll play, but will he play well? I think the matchup is great. We've been trying to pick on Tampa Bay every single week. I'm more inclined to fade him in DFS than to play him. I think the, the Jameis matchup the other way, Jameis can make mistakes and ultimately just can't keep back, keep coming back and throwing, getting a lot of yardage, and, and I think he'll have a, a fine enough day where he's a GPP consideration. That game's more like top five, top six, so at least upper half of the slate in quality. But I think I'll look at it, San Francisco-Houston as one <laughs> where I expect even more offensive output. That I do in Tampa Bay, Detroit, and Stafford's hand is a big part of the reason why. All right, so you're liking Jimmy G this week? Yeah, not as much as Mario, who seems to be like all in, completely <laughs> convinced that it's a great idea to play him and, and build around him in tournaments, but I, I think Houston's struggles against the pass are very real, as we've seen. Garoppolo looked pretty competent last week, and guys like Marquise Goodwin, especially, are, are at least more interesting now than they were I'm trying to figure out how much Carlos Hyde I would want to have this week. I haven't built any lineups with him in. I haven't built any lineups yet that have him in them, but his price has ticked down enough where it kind of makes sense just based on the usage. And that should be a close, high-scoring game too. I think those teams are fairly evenly matched at this point. All right. Um, so, so the, to Stafford, we talked about Stafford. If you, uh,
1: for people who own uh, Marvin Jones or Golden Tate, you feeling you feeling okay? Any
2: hesitation? Uh, Season long, not a lot. I mean, it always comes down to the best alternatives you have. I think I'm leaning away from them in DFS because I I wonder if a not completely healthy Stafford can take advantage of that great matchup against Tampa. Bam kind of erring on the side of caution in DFS and and chipping a little bit off the projection in uh, in season long as well. You mentioned the Kansas City Oakland game. Game time temperatures might be around 50 degrees. They're going to get a little warm front in there nice. at the end of the weekend. So high of 57, winds around 12 miles per hour at kickoff, going down over the course of the game. So relative to some of the other conditions league-wide, now that we're in December, it might not be that bad. It might not be the typical nasty, ground is frozen kind of game that we get at Arrowhead this time of year. It might just be... Pretty comfortable and, and pretty good conditions for both teams being able to throw. All right, um, actually, I am
1: checking weather for another city right there. Uh, the other questionable people, the guys we don't know about. There, questionable is a weird term, but guys, we're not sure about. Sounds like Lenny Walker's going to go. He's listed as questionable. Sounds like he's going to go. Sounds like Robbie Anderson's going to go. He had the questionable tag. Amir Abdullah listed as questionable. Didn't play last week. Not sure what's going to happen with him. I, he's a guy you are going to have to keep an eye on. Sterling Shepard. Any news on Shepard today that
2: you've heard? I haven't. I believe he practiced today or was supposed to practice today. And now that it's afternoon. Yeah, he, he was back to, out there. Expected
1: to play. All right. And the last one, I haven't found any late news on. Chris Hogan was back at practice this week. Sound like he made, he made a crack yesterday about how it felt like the first day of school back with his friends. You know, <laughs> so I don't know if we should be expecting much there. Um, I mean, if you own Chris Hogan, don't get all fired up. Let's watch. Let's see what the Patriots say after today, which we haven't seen. Um, and I'm scrolling through a bunch of sources right now, and I'm not seeing anything any anything of note that would tell me one way or the other about Chris Hogan. I think we got to expect from what I've read this morning, I think we got to expect him not to play if we had to expect one way or the other, but you're going to be able to um, find out later. Okay. Um, guys who are not playing. Rob Gronkowski, we talked about. Suspension. Um, who, who's your – Who's your streaming tight end of choice for the Gronk owners?
2: Steven Anderson.
1: Yes. But everybody wants him, right? Yes.
2: Yeah, so he might gone. everybody's going to want. Him. I like him a little less in DFS than other people, but I, I like him in season long. Yeah, I got him in one season long lineup. I, I've got him. I, I've got him locked in already.
1: So, um, yeah, that's a. I I like that one. Um, Amari Cooper actually returned to practice today. Um, I had him it's funny I do the, the the notes before the show I had him a half hour before we started on the outlist and he was at practice Friday I think he was limited this he's very much up in the air so you're gonna have to keep an eye out for that one um, if you for season-long owners is this a situation for you I mean everybody seems to like this spot for Crabtree and I can't say I love it just because I don't love Crabtree in general but for the Amari Cooper owners Would you if you wanted to wait on Cooper for that good matchup, would you have one of the other Raider receivers in your pocket or would you go go elsewhere?
2: Mm, I probably would go elsewhere because I don't think I don't think one of Seth Roberts or Holton really steps up and gets the same volume you'd be expecting from Cooper. Right. And as bad as that Kansas City secondary is. I just think it's it's like four targets to two or three different guys. And while those players all might be efficient on a per target basis, I don't think there's a clear Cooper's out. Therefore, Seth Roberts is the guy, even though any one of them could take advantage of that spot. If that if that makes sense.
1: Okay, so with that said, if you wanted to wait on Cooper, I mean, I guess it depends. Are there any streaming types that you would like to? I mean, if you had a guy on your bench, that's great. But if you don't. Are there any, you know, available type of
2: guys that you think you might grab? I mean, Marquise Goodwin's probably available in a lot of leagues, right? Yeah, like especially in 10-teamers. I mean, I I, I feel pretty good about Goodwin this week, so I, I think that could work. Uh, fortunately, the Chiefs-Raiders game is an early kick, so yep. not having to wait until the 3 o'clock games to, to know, for the 4 o'clock games for the rest of you, to know if, uh, if that's the case, you know, that helps quite a bit because it, it opens up all of those alternatives. trying to think of other receivers that I expect to step into larger roles this week. I mean, DD Westbrook could still be out there in some leagues. That could be an okay option as a replacement. If if Goodwin's not available and you're looking for something else behind, uh, Mari Cooper, I I do like Crabtree. I think more than you do this week, no Marcus Peters. So yeah, it should be a, a monster day for, for Derek Carr and that Raiders passing game regardless of whether or not Cooper goes. All right. Uh, the guy
1: I was thinking about, I know he's got a tough opponent. Jermaine is only 54% owned still still. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I know he's playing the Broncos and I don't know who, who he's going to draw, but I don't know. Hmm. He, he's one of those guys who he's, he's, he's convincing me. He's not flashy. Last two weeks have been flashy, but he's convincing me. You know, as I said the other day, he's, he's wide receiver 22 on the season in PPR. Which, who would have guessed that one when they made that trade? Um, scrolling through the rest. Yeah, you mentioned Westbrook. Goodwin's 51% owned on Yahoo. Amendola's 54 That's a good one.
2: Um, yeah, you probably get more usage out of Amendola in a week where Gronk is not out there because Dwayne Allen just hasn't really stepped up and, and done a whole lot this year, so... Maybe Allen gets two of the eight targets Gronk would have got, but you could see as many as five or six possibly going to someone else, and Amendola's among the candidates to take on some of that extra workload. All
1: right, the other guys who are out, uh, Jordan Reed, obviously, because he's always out, Uh, Joe Mixon, um, Damian Williams, Adrian Peterson. So Kerwin Williams is back in play as a flexi type, not PPR. He won't catch anything, I don't think. Um, Kenyon Drake is a, I mean – (laughs) but <laughs> Drake, if he plays well this week, he's going to be – So I saw someone say on Twitter this morning, and I, I hate when I forget who it is, that he's going to be the zero running back poster boy if people win leagues with Kenyon Drake. Feel like him and Jamal Williams, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you had to wait so long to get value out of guys like I know. that. That's, that's why it's – and Kenyon Drake wasn't even getting drafted in, in most leagues. He was one of the few backup running backs that was being ignored – In 12-team leagues. Because he wasn't the clear handcuff. Well, and we thought Jay Ajayi was going to be a monster in terms of the workload he'd get in Miami to the point where, yeah, Drake and Williams would share scraps, so there was nothing there. It was Ajayi, 20 touches a game. Dolphins offense with Adam Gaze is going to be solid. Losing Tannehill is not going to hurt him because Matt Moore is as good as Tannehill. And I know they signed Jay Cutler, so they've got two guys that can do the same thing as Tannehill. And, wow, they've been a team that's got a huge range of outcomes in any given week right. and wrapped up in all of that is Kenyon Drake checking in as a top 10 running back on, on Jeff's rankings this week which is something I never thought I would see yeah
1: I mean the, the one of the things about the zero RB thing is that it's not only drafting but it's saying I'm gonna grab running backs all year off the wire I'm gonna be aggressive that way so he might work but I have him at 12th so I'm basically with Jeff
2: you, I mean, Dion Lewis was like freely available in leagues earlier this year. Yep, a lot of these guys. That, P. That Ryan happened. was available for a while. Burkhead got dropped a lot of places. Alex Collins, Collins was a, a zero RB guy. Alfred Morris, a zero RB guy, because they thought it was Darren McFadden, <laughs> right? Camaro people liked, uh, and then they probably, in some cases, ditched him early in the season. Yep, because they had the three running backs, and he wasn't getting on the field those first two games a whole lot. So he could have changed hands in some leagues just because it, it didn't look good to start the year the way they were. They were owned to and they were using a guy that had no business really being on their roster as part of their running back rotation. So, yeah, I, I think in, in some leagues he was dropped and then added and turned into a, a huge windfall for somebody else. You mentioned Piran, Gio Bernard coming back and now having relevance this week with Mixon down with a concussion. Kind of in that boat, Mike Davis down the stretch maybe has some value. He's getting a lot of volume right now. That's a zero RB guy. Orleans Darkwa. We weren't talking about him during draft season, right? So yeah, it's it's a it's a typical year in that regard. Doug Martin's back. He cleared the concussion protocol. Maybe Peyton Barber still gets the main, you know, main part of the workload anyway. That that one's a little bit more up in the air for me. Like, I, I I don't have a good feel for what Tampa's going to do with their running backs this week. Supposedly.
1: Martin will start. I saw that headline somewhere today. Um, yeah, yeah no, no, I know. No, no. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Right. Um, the other one um, you, you mentioned, Jeff had uh, Kenyon Drake as a top ten, and I said I have him twelfth. I have Gio Bernard tenth. I am All right. I'm in. I mean, that's it. he, he can catch buying. the ball. He's playing a bad team. They might blow him out. And I think he's playing a team. He's playing one of those. You used the word zombie earlier. I think he's playing a zombie team.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Bears, the Bears can't blow the Bengals out. They right. might be able to keep it close because the Bengals have a lot of injuries on defense. Th- that game could be like 20 to 17 or 20 to 14. But you could see both running backs, like Howard and Bernard, being pretty involved in the game plan and this one just being kind of ugly across the board. It might that's true. And Mitchell
1: Trubisky going 7 for 13 for 94 yards. Um, players who will play. Zach Ertz. We were worried about Zach Ertz. Sounds like he's going to play. Clear the concussion protocol. We talked about Doug Martin, um, which probably wants, makes you want to avoid the, um, the Bucks backfield altogether. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin is going to be back for the Bills against the Colts, who are very, very bad against the pass.
2: Do you want to play Kelvin Benjamin if you have him? If... Taylor starts I could see a path to it if Nathan Peterman starts ugh, I, I just don't know if I want to put my money out there on, in DFS relying on Nathan Peterman to get the ball to Kelvin Benjamin like that 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 doesn't seem like a good way to go about life
1: <laughs> I agree with you um check in real quick the last I said Tyrod is listed as questionable. Um, I saw a little while ago, Some I, I, I saw the words game time decision attached to his name. So let's watch over the weekend. I'll, we'll, we'll be checking news later. Ask us again on Twitter uh, at helpin 37 or at Derek Van Riper. Um Who do you want to see? The guys I want to see this week. Um, we talked about Amendola. We talked
2: about Jimmy G. Mario's fired up, huh? He really likes Jimmy Garoppolo. This week, I want to see Mike Evans again. I I know I steered people wrong last week, thinking that he would carve up the Green Bay secondary. And, well, he didn't get enough targets to do it. Redemption, perhaps, this week. Uh, Tyreek Hill going up against Oakland. Had a big game last week. Kind of want to watch that game a lot for interest in him and and Michael Crabtree. Like you, I like Bernard this week. So I'm kind of curious to see a little bit of that. Now, I don't want to watch the Bears on offense, but I will try to watch the Bengals when they have the ball a little bit. Uh, Hunter Henry going up against Washington. Thinking about the matchup there, Redskins defense has been pretty soft this year against tight ends. Henry playing pretty well in recent weeks. I like him quite a bit. He might be a little chalky in DFS, but I think it could be good chalk. he has got at least 75 yards in back-to-back games scored on Thanksgiving against Dallas as well at least five targets now in three consecutive games. So it seems like things maybe are are settling in a little bit for Hunter Henry here down the stretch.
1: All right. What's going
2: to happen with the Packers backfield? Well, if we believe in what McCarthy has done pretty much every game this year, he's going to pick one running back and just keep giving him the ball. And I Hmm. guess that would still be Jamal Williams. Okay. And it's weird because Aaron Jones to me looks like the better player. Maybe the knee limits him and they can just use him sporadically like they did last week when he played two snaps and took his only carry into the end zone to walk it off against Tampa Bay. But Williams was ahead of Jones in the depth chart through training camp. That seems to be the pecking order for McCarthy right now. So I'm thinking no worse than 80-20 Williams. unless, Unless the volume of carries in this game gets juiced up even more by windy, like twenty mile per hour wind conditions that make it really hard for Hunley and Deshaun Kaiser to throw the ball. I have a hard time seeing Aaron Jones getting more than about five carries in this game. Okay. Uh, Even though I think he's the better player.
1: So Jamal Williams owners, you you are full
2: speed full steam ahead if you own him. I, I think you have to be just because McCarthy hasn't really shown a lot of wiggle with how he's using his backs. It's basically this guy's healthy. He's my guy right now and nobody else matters. And then when that guy gets hurt, he picks a new guy. And that's that's the, until the same thing happens. He's the king of the hill. He's the, he's the guy playing.
1: OK, FanDuel, folks, is fantasy football for everyday fans with new contests starting every week. No busted seasons. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team and watch your score real time um, this week. You know, last week I was mad about last week because. I was all over the Cameron Braid thing, and I still b- hardly won anything. Like, I won very little. You know, you, you make that big score. You pick that guy, and you're like, he's your guy, and he hits. And
2: then the rest of it is kind of like, eh, whatever. That was Jamal Williams for me last week. Yeah. It's frustrating. Thanks, Mike Evans. <laughs> no, thank you, Dirk Cutter, really. Yeah, it's true. And thank you, Jameis Winston. I hate watching Jameis Winston play. See, okay. I was talking to
1: I'm – I'm jumping ahead on a guy. I was talking to Tim yesterday about this, that I really like Jameis this week. And, I've, and I, I, I think he's one of those guys who we have to draw the distinction between real-life Jameis and fantasy Jameis. Because real-life Jameis is infuriating. Fantasy James. you're like, if he fumbles and throws an interception, I don't care as long as he gets two
2: touchdowns and 280 yards. Because he throws yeah, 40 times. I'm trying to think of other players over the years that have fit that same description. Quarterbacks that you, you really don't want to be your quarterback if you're rooting for that team. But if he's your fantasy quarterback, you're just – you're fine with it. Tyron. It, 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 yeah, I, I mean I, I think – You don't <laughs> hate him as your real-life quarterback. He's 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 got a limited ceiling but you don't hate it. I think Bills fans feel differently about him than non-Bills fans. Like okay. we 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 look at it like the fantasy community looks at Tyrod one way and Bills fans see it a completely different way. And I think maybe fantasy people in general are are too high on him and Bills fans are too low on him. Like the answer's somewhere in between. Okay. But we'll never we'll never come to any sort of real agreement. Uh, as two groups in that particular situation, I, I think the the Bills fans are just convinced he's not their guy long term, and and they they may be right. I mean, it, it it could be could be a disaster if if they give him another year as their starter. They they may they may just do more of the same. I, I think part of it is that they don't have good pass catchers, and they really never did with him. In part because Sammy Watkins was so rarely healthy during his time with the Bills, right okay
1: um who do you like who else we talked about guys like geo and and uh and you like evans who else in in FanDuel? duel whose price do you like stephen
2: anderson is the minimum which is pretty nice that's real nice defensively i like the browns defense wow i have that's I a have good call brought myself to a level of of stupidity and delusion to think <laughs> that Brett Hundley and Mike McCarthy will, with one week before Aaron Rodgers can play again, find a way to lose to a winless team. And for that to happen, turnovers, which we've seen Hundley do, sacks, which I think they can allow, holding on to the ball too long, uh, and maybe even some points. And the Browns are only 4,000. They're at home. This is their, maybe their best chance to get a win in what's left of this season. No, like... I don't care how bad a team actually is. No group of players wants to go down in history as one of the handful of winless teams in NFL history. Right. So there's a pride factor there. Green Bay's banged up in the secondary. Gordon and Coleman could be problematic at the wins, not as bad as expected. You know, they can run Crowell into that Packers offensive line, defensive line for three and a half yards per carry all afternoon. I just think it's going to be one of those grinded out, low scoring games. And if it comes down to whether or not Hundley is making mistakes and McCarthy's calling bad plays, I think the Browns defense can actually show up at 4,000 and maybe get you 14 to 16 fantasy points. Um,
1: Okay, I think you might be right. And on the other side of that one, actually looking at the Packers injury report right now, um, they might be without two corners. House and Goodson. Doubtful and out. Lovely. So. This leads me to Deshaun Kaiser at 6,400. I know that it might be windy. I was saying before I was checking the weather report, right now I'm looking at the Cleveland weather and it's two days out, but almost 20 mile an hour winds. But Kaiser in this spot against the Bad Packer defense, Bad Packer pass defense, with two good receivers now, plus he's probably going to run for 30, 40 yards. I, I think this is, a, this is kind of a nice value right here that you can find
2: yeah he's he's in play in tournaments because the running ability paired with having a couple receivers that can do a lot after the catch even if it turns into like a short and intermediate passing game where he's dumping the ball off to duke a lot trying to throw to gordon and coleman closer to the line of scrimmage to offset the downfield uh, negatives with the wind and everything it can work I i think kaiser's got guys that can make plays for him now that he's got those two receivers both healthy
1: all right, do you have, speaking of bargain people,
2: and Tim scolded me
1: about this guy yesterday. If we talked about the Bucks' defense being kind of okay, not so great. If Amir Abdul is out, Tyon Green played last week, and I cracked a joke that I on Twitter that, I, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've absolutely heard of all these guys scoring for the Lions. I think you and I talked about this Monday. Um, and Tim said to me yesterday, you're selling the guy short. He's actually not bad. Uh, OK. I mean, I've seen very little of him. I can't you know, claim to be an expert, but he's he's a running back who will get double digit touches against the Bucks if Amir Abdel is
2: out. And we saw what Jamal Williams did in that same. Right. Same construct uh, a week ago where heavy volume became the thing. I mean, they'll dump it off to Riddick probably in, in passing situations and the. The knock on him was a lack of explosiveness in mean, the scouting report. At NFL.com kind of says he's more of a, a grinder and he lacks functional speed, which it's one thing to not run fast with no pads on in the 40 yard dash. It's another to lack functional speed. That, that to me seems like more of a problem and a pretty, pretty big negative in terms of uh, what you could put in a scouting report, but he does have some power and could be the guy that gets carries at the goal line. So, I'm not on it because I think Abdullah is probably going to find a way to play a little bit and the talent's probably not that good but if Abdullah were ruled out would you play him in in a tournament? Would you play him you wouldn't play him in season long would you? No probably well
1: it would depend on my situation I guess obviously but I don't think so you you wouldn't play him over like Kerwin Williams in season long with with AP out would you? Mm -hmm. I don't know I might after seeing last week, I might.
2: <laughs> After seeing last week.
1: I mean, I don't know. We're, we're talking about two guys who are totally shaky.
2: Yeah, Kerwin Williams getting 3.8 yards per carry this season. 16 for 97 against the Rams. And that—that's that's the kind of thing. Like, Kerwin Williams running against the Rams is what makes me think that Jay Ajayi is actually going to have a decent game. But we're going to be mad because he's going to carry it, you know, a, a season high with the Eagles 12 times instead of 18 times, right. like that's going to be the, the problem. So Kerwin Williams against the Titans, I think is more interesting than Tyon green against the bucks because mm-hmm. I think Riddick's going to get all the passing down work and with Kerwin Williams. Yeah, I guess DJ Foster probably steals his, his passing down work. I like, I like Kerwin Williams a little better. If you're just looking at the, the bottom of the barrel for, for help at running back. Yeah, this is totally bottom of the barrel. But um, yeah, the other thing
1: on to, to what you said I, I don't know. I know Theoretic caught some passes last week, but I don't get the sometimes I don't get why Cooter doesn't like Theoretic, but that's another story. Um Darko we talked about's a good price. Sixty three hundred is a pretty good price on FanDuel. To in a game against a defense that's kind of shaky. That we'll get Sean Lee back, most likely. Um, who else? Goodwin, you talked about. He's fifty seven hundred. That's a good buy. Josh Gordon, any any interest if if I like my my Kaiser thing. I mean Gordon's sixty seven hundred, which is pretty reasonable. But any I mean in a tournament, would the would the move be to pivot to Corey Coleman?
2: Yeah, and I think if you're gonna use a Browns combo or a Browns stack, you probably just want to go with one pass catcher as opposed to two. Yeah. Because it's hard to imagine either of those teams having enough volume to sustain multiple pass catchers. It'd be the same thing if you for some reason want to have a Brett Hundley combo, it'd be you know Hundley Adams or, or Hundley Nelson, but certainly not both. It's it's just there's too much downside, too much I should say you're you're capping your ceiling by having more than one pass catcher on either side. And if you want to be sneaky, yeah, the cheaper Cory Coleman as opposed to Gordon would be a way to do it because I don't think I don't think the target share is going to be that different between Gordon and Coleman this
1: week. OK, I think you're probably right. Um, Hunter Henry, another guy you mentioned, 5600 is a pretty good price.
2: Any, anyone else sticking out to you? Anyone else we're forgetting? There was a player. Uh, who was it? I was thinking of, I saw him during the XM show and it, I was surprised at how cheap he was. And now I'm blanking on who it was. Uh, it was a running back and he was around fifty five hundred dollars and it was. Crowell. Mar- it was, it was, it was, well, Crowell's kind of interesting because, yeah, the volume will be there. Gore at 5,500. Yep. The, the Bills can't stop the run. It, it's amazing. Not having Marcel Darius turns out is, is a big deal. But uh, Frank Gore, who I would never really ever think about playing in fantasy from a DFS standpoint, anyway, is actually kind of interesting this week. And, you know, Mike Davis gets volume. He's 5,500 as well. Um, I'm,
1: I used this stat for with Tim yesterday. I'm going to use it again. The Bills, since week eight, the Bills are giving up 30.1 point, fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. The next worst team is 23.6. That is That's a colossal huge. difference. I mean, they're, they're horrendous. They've given up, in, in the last six games, they've given up 11 touchdowns to opposing running backs. Let me pull up their schedule and see who who the who it is I mean I don't think anyone scored four right I don't know who the last six um Pats well last week they gave up what did I mean Burkhead got two the week before was the Chiefs the week before that oh that was the game where they lost to the Chargers by 9,000 points and they gave up Eckler and Gordon did the damage the week before that they played the Saints and that was and they scored 47 and Kamara and Ingram did a bunch but yeah these guys have been they've been bad against running backs i I'm, I'm with you on gore i like him i'm starting him in a season long which i have had him bench for a long time and, I, and i'm i actually i'm playing him over Ajay.
2: it sets up nicely i mean i i think the, the thing about gore is you expect him to get more carries than ajay right ajay has a good matchup too like the rams weakness is run defense and per carry the if you had team running backs the eagles running backs would be fine if you could combine all their production into one you'd be happy but not knowing If they're actually going to increase Ajayi's workload, you're just left to guess. So I I, I see, yeah, I see why you would use gore over Ajayi in, in that case. Folks, over 2.5 million players have won a cash
1: prize playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today, fanduel.com slash RW. You get a free six-month wire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes, and that's with your first deposit on FanDuel. So visit fanduel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Thanks, FanDuel, uh, and good luck, everybody who plays. Um, who do you, you know, it's funny. The, I got my hoodie Love list, and I think we've talked about every guy. <laughs> We've covered them all already. Jameis, Frank Gore. You talked about Mike Evans, Stephen Anderson, uh, Kelsey. Theo. Kelsey yeah, Kev, because Kelsey's we like expensive. everybody in that game.
2: He's really expensive on Fanduel. It was
1: $8,000. Yeah. Um,
2: Braid again. Really like. I mean, Jameis likes, so I like him. If you hit on um, like a millimaker Maker or Million Dollar Rush, are you going to get a Cameron Braid jersey? <laughs> I should, right? I'm gonna get a. He's, he's, he's a guy. This week I might get a Steven Anderson jersey. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I like that pull. He's he's. I mean, he's not a tight end. He's no. He's a tight end eligible guy. That's really just a big receiver. Right. What is he? Six two two third. It's interesting. I was looking at the uh, as I mentioned the other day on the
1: rotowire, Wire um, on his player page. It has all the measurables from the combine and all that, and basically all the all the quickness, speed, agility, et cetera, Stuff was great. And all the strength, you know, hand size, all that stuff was bad. And he's only six two two thirty, and the guy's not a tight end,
2: no. Which fortunately not, not means no one's expecting him to block anybody. Right. So when he's out there, he's there to catch passes, but he probably creates some interesting mismatches because he's a weird size player. Yeah. So and who do you love? Who else? Anybody we're missing? Anybody we didn't talk about? Uh, not Tyon Green. Um, <laughs> Andre Ellington's kind of interesting in full PPR love would be too strong, but thinking about players that should get more snap and Braxton Miller I mean, part of the part of the thing about Houston that makes Steven Anderson appealing Braxton Miller's out with a concussion. Bruce Ellington is on IR Lamar Miller hasn't been catching that many passes. So that kind of puts Andre Ellington in this, Hey, you got to go out there and catch some passes kind of role, right? Will, will Fuller, I think has a chance to play though. Right. So maybe that's where um, some of, some of those targets could end up going, Let's check Will Fuller. Anything, anything? Yeah, Bill O'Brien says, I yeah. think it looks good for Will to be able to play as we sit here right now, no doubt. All right. <laughs> there you go, Will Fuller. It's a good spot. So so I guess that chips away at my Ellington appeal. When I first looked at it, that was one of those things where was like, he might catch five or six passes. And I guess that kind of erases it now. Other players I like. I, I'm trying to build a Carson Wentz lineup this week because I, I think... He's expensive. People don't want to go up in that matchup against the Rams. And I, and I get it. But I just think the Eagles offense is just that good. And you might be able to get them at a lower ownership rate. Do you think who's going to win that game? Ooh, I think
1: I think Philadelphia is going to win that game. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm toss up. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that the Eagles could be the Eagles could be the what the three seed after this weekend in the NFC. Which is a, would be such a quick turn of events. Just because of the schedule. I mean, they're two really hard road games. Life comes at you fast. Right. Everybody was crowning them, they're taking pictures of themselves on the sidelines and all that stuff. So um, and as as a as a longtime Giants fan, this would not break my heart. <laughs> you know, if the Eagles just crashed and burned after starting ten and one.
2: Not would, at all. It, that would make Cowboys fans happy too, I bet. Right. Yeah, everybody. We all hate each other. Just hate.
1: Do you hate everybody in the NFC North? Do you hate the Lions?
2: No. no those, those teams are generally clown teams, and I, I, <laughs> I really don't hate them at all. I hate teams like Seattle, and uh, I hate how New England dominates the way that, that I feel like the Packers should. But the difference between Belichick and McCarthy is the difference between a Geo Metro and a Escalade. So... <laughs> Gee, all
1: right. Yeah, I, I wish that the the Cowboys, Redskins
2: and Eagles could all go in
1: 16 every year.
2: Yeah, it, it's totally different in the NFC East. And if if the Vikings are legit beyond this year, they could quickly become that team that I really hate. I mean, they, the Anthony Barr hit on Aaron Rodgers did a lot to yeah. rekindle that rivalry, I think. But for for so long, when, when one team just takes control of a division, the rivalries shift to who are the teams that knock you out in the playoffs, and and for me, you know, when San Francisco had Kaepernick, the the, the Kaepernick games against the Packers in the playoffs, that that was the peak of the fired Dom Capers Twitter era, and that that is still burning today. Like there's there's still people throwing logs on that fire, but it's it's just more maddening to get knocked out by the same. Couple of teams in the playoffs every year, than to occasionally lose a game to you know a team that's generally inferior in the same division. Got it. All right, fair enough. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. I, I this is it's very interesting that we're different this way about the division because but there are a lot of old school franchises there. But
2: well, and there's more turnover though in the East, like between the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. There's been a lot more back and forth with those three teams. Agreed. Taking control over the years, whereas for the last 20, the Packers have mostly dominated the NFC North. Right. Okay.
1: You see, the other thing is as a Giant fan, I don't I know people who Giants fans who hate the Patriots. I have no I feel like I have no reason to hate the Patriots. I
2: think we all have many, many reasons to hate the Patriots.
1: Well, the, well general reasons, yes. But I I know people who are Giants fans who go, oh, you're a Giant fan, you have to hate the Patriots. I go, why? I mean, hey,
2: you, I mean, you guys—you guys beat him, right? Like, I have no problem with that. Relative, yeah, relative to other fans, you guys should actually have less hatred. Yes,
1: them. I have—I have suffered no heartbreak at the hands of the Patriots. So only joy, so that's fine with me. Plus Belichick, I mean that guy, he's you know, he's he's fine with. I'm fine with Bill Belichick as as a, as a Giants fan for the last forty some years.
2: <sighs> yeah, I mean, look, if I could trade three first round draft picks and Mike McCarthy to the Patriots for Belichick. I would do it in a second. Absolutely. Would you trade one of them for Josh McDaniels? Uh, no, because McDaniels would take the job without having to. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like he'll he'd actually be available. That's true. <laughs> so you don't have to, make, uh, have to make that concession. i That's kind of the big question too. kind of going back to that. If you fire your coach, who do you want to hire? Do you think Josh McDaniels the second time around? would be a significantly better hire than he was when Denver had him. Yes. I'm all in. I I want the Giants
1: to hire Josh McDaniels.
2: Okay? Well, I think he's
1: your be- I think he's your best shot out
2: there at a at, at a very successful coach. I I would hope so. I mean, I I think he will make a lot of sense for for all the reasons that he made sense the first time and I I just wonder if his failure. I mean, he only had 28 games as a head coach. And apparently he acted like a jackass. Yeah. Yeah. You wonder, you wonder if he got a little cocky from, from being in the Patriots organization and then just thinking like, Oh, I can just show up as the new head coach here and everyone's going to do exactly what I say. And it's going to, we're going to be awesome because I was awesome for an organization that was great. I, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, he, he definitely, uh, failed hard the first time and I, I have to think there's something pretty humbling in that you would think
1: all right folks listeners to this podcast can get a free 10-day rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod no credit card needed you can check out nearly all the features on the site with that take a look now rotowire.com slash pod um derek for week 14 so uh, tim's going to do his facebook live q a on um sunday at noon eastern Are you doing any
2: radio this weekend I am off this weekend, so I'll probably be writing baseball outlooks for the magazine. Baseball, baseball, baseball. Otani the Angel says you told me right before we started
1: recording. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah, for a guy who – and we talked about the folks, if you're fantasy baseball people, um, Otani, we, we know every, every website is still figuring out what the heck position they want to use him at. This is going to be an interesting fantasy player right here. The most, he's going to be one of the most interesting fantasy players we've had maybe ever. Just, just because he
2: can, he, he's a he's a pitcher and a hitter. Yeah, and it it might be still kind of weird because he's not going to make thirty three starts and then go and and play the field or DH for the other hundred and right That's hard, hundred and twenty nine games. Yep. So I mean, like that's going to throw a wrinkle into it too. If he's a two times a week or three times a week DH, that is a good or very good hitter and, and you split him in two players like valuing him like all that kind of stuff's going to be really interesting and we are recording off-season baseball pods already so Woo-hoo. just search rotowire on itunes and stitcher and whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast on just search rotowire there's there's baseball pods basketball pods hockey pods pretty much all the pods you could want. Yep, that's great. And wherever you listen to them, everybody,
1: leave reviews and ratings. They help us, and we like them. So thank you for those. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Our next episode is going to be coming Monday morning. Derek and I will recap the weekend, Steven Anderson and his seven touchdowns. It's going to be a lot of fun, so come on back and listen. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week 14.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?